Hi, everybody. I am Peter Travers, and welcome to Popcorn, where we tell you what's happening at the movies. And there's a movie now called Judas and the Black Messiah that is so good that, well, you can't watch it now. You need to finish watching me and Daniel speak. But when you see it, you're going to see something extraordinary, and you're going to see my guest today, Daniel Kaluuya, in a really amazing performance where he brings the spirit of someone to life, and that someone is Fred Hampton. So congratulations to you, Daniel, on this. Thank you so much, Peter, man. Good seeing you again. You know what I realized? This is the very month, four years ago, that Get Out opened. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Black Panther, and then three years after that, Black Panther, no, two years, a year after Get Out, Black Panther came out in February. Yeah, it's the very month. Yeah, every year you're just working and working and doing this. And you got that Oscar nomination after we last talked. So are you just impossible now? Have you become um, a complete tyrant on the set? I think I was always a tyrant. Yeah. I think it just allowed this kind of space allowed me to be more of a tyrant. So I just, uh, you know, I just like, you know, I like ice cubes in one cup and blueberries in another. <laughs> and then, I don't know, some soda in another. And I don't even like soda, but I just want to be a tyrant. I want to feel, feel like a Roman tyrant. I don't want to be like a new tyrant. I want to like be Roman, like the old day tyrant. That's what, that's what I want. I want to be in that. Well, you know what I mean, though? When something like that happens, and of course you had done so much work you know, in England and you were doing theater, you were doing skins, you were doing all of this stuff, but Get Out was a kind of a breakthrough that changed your life, didn't it? Yeah, it changed my life. Yeah, yeah. it changed my life. Yeah. yeah, it took me a long while to catch up to that. Probably took me like, I only think probably like last year I've caught up to what happened with Get Out. In all of that time and in all the things you've done, whether you did Black Panther, whether you did Queen and Slim, whether you were in Widows, this you're working with the most amazing people and doing incredible things. And in this case, um, with Judas and the Black Messiah, you're playing this real person, Fred Hampton. So Fred Hampton, we know, and I think here in America too, it was, yes, he was the guy that led the Black Panther Party in Chicago and in Illinois, he was the head of it and died tragically young. And that's what we know. We know those two things. And finally, there's a movie that says he had a life and he had a spirit and he had something that was happening. How did you get attached to it? I was actually on the, on the set of uh, Black Panther on the, on the reshoots. Uh, Ryan and Zinzi Kugler, who are the producers of the film, mm -hmm. pulled me to the side and said, yo, we're making a film about Chairman Fred Hampton. We'd love you to be part of it um, as Chairman Fred. Lakeith is, is in it as well. Um, and Shaka King is directing. Mm -hmm. And we just feel like, um, I just really, their intentions and reasons really spoke to me. And so, and it was that, I was like, and I just felt really honored that they even thought of me in that way. And they were like, yo, we'll send you a treatment. They sent me a two page treatment, which was incredible. And then I met with Shaka in New York cause I was during the get out awards season. Actually may have one of the trips when I sat down with you yeah. on that same trip, I sat down with Shaka. So like uh, I sat down with Shaka and then um, spoke and I loved him as a person and I loved his reasons. Then award season was over. So after the Oscars, the first script I read was Judas and the Black Messiah. And then I was just like, I'm in. Yeah, say less. So what do you do when you're playing this guy who we know of as a, more of a symbol than a human being? 
and that you have to create him as he is. How do you go about doing that, which you do so brilliantly? Thank you. Uh, just a lot of work, you know, a lot, a lot of deep, deep, deep work, but also kind of taking him as, as, a, as a man, you know, and, and, and finding, finding what I felt he loved, understanding why he loved him, loved who he loved and who loved him, you know, and connecting to that part of him, you know, the, the humanity part of him. Because it's like he has to have so much love and so much care and, and want for the, um, the betterment and the actualization of Black people and the Black community in order for him to say these things in these ways, like the speeches, you know? And, it, and I just felt like this, I didn't see him as an icon, I saw him as a man, you know, mm -hmm. a remarkable man, uh, a man that is to be remarked upon, but he is he's a man. And I feel like presenting him his humanity kind of puts into context um, his murder and his assassination, you know, and what, what it is. But, and also something Shaka really said, it's like, there's a lot of information about how he died, but there's not any information about how incredibly he lived. Yeah. And I think that's what the intention of this film was, you know, kind of show how this man lived. We see it through the prism of this betrayal. I mean, that's why the movie is called Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm. Uh, Fred being the Black Messiah and Lakeith playing William O'Neill, who is basically an FBI informant who infiltrates what's going on with Fred Hampton and that Panther chapter to do that. And so when you're getting together and you're making this movie and you, the different thing is it's not just playing a real person, but it's playing someone whose family is involved in the making of the movie too. Uh, Fred Hampton Jr. is the head of the party now, and he's there. How often was he on the set that you could talk to him? He was on set majority of the time, like majority of the days. Like when he when when they signed on, it was every day, apart from a couple, every day that he was on the set. And um, and to be honest, we kind of me and him kind of we just knew that we didn't we stayed out of each we stayed out of each other's ways on set. You know, we spoke or offset, but only because he he was really he's always expressed that he he didn't really want to get into what we were doing, you know, what we were channeling, where we were heading. I mean, and then he under he understood and had respect for our processes, and then like and I knew that this is going to be a lot for him, so I didn't want to be in his space speaking like his father, you know, because I stay in accent throughout the whole day. So it was just like um, we kind of just. But then after when set was done, we'd like speak. And but I didn't really want to use him as like a resource. I was just happy. He I was just happy that we was he was there, you know? And like he was he was already he was already he cared enough to make sure we was on it, you know, in a certain way and certain things and added incredible things to to the narrative that we couldn't we never would have arrived to, you know, because he understands the truth and he's intimate with the truth of the Black Panther Party, especially the Illinois chapter. But how do you go about telling that truth? Because when you're growing up and you're growing up in, you know, outside of London, and what do you know about somebody who had died long before you were born? How, what do you know about this character from the place that you were a child or somebody growing up and learning about it? What did you know? I knew very minimal as a child and I was taught very minimal like amount about the Black Panther Party. I um, didn't 
meant like I left school probably 16, 18. Fred Hampton wasn't mentioned. Chairman Fred Hampton wasn't mentioned at school. And then when I was being, being a young teen, early 20s, a young black man with frustrations that, that the Black Panther Party's ideology and Chairman Fred started arriving to me. I remember when I, I saw something and then it was at the date he was born and the date he was assassinated. And then I was like, that doesn't make sense. How old was he? That doesn't, and I just was just like, what? That doesn't make sense. And then, and I Googled it and I went on, on the little kind of hole and I kind of was like, wow, he was 21. Not only that they assassinated a 21 year old, but he, he became chairman of the Black Panther Party at 21. You know, I was right. just like, wow, I did not even know that, you know? So I knew that much, but you know, it is Peter, bro. I just have empathy, man, and compassion. You know what I'm saying? It's not, I don't feel like where you're from should limit you connecting to connecting to something that speaks to you. You know, like it's like what they're saying, the Black Pepper Pie and what Chairman Fred's saying speaks to me. You know, it's that kind of like, and it either does or it doesn't, you know? And if it doesn't, that's valid too, but it just does. And so then I, it didn't make it challenging for me to understand what he was saying in that era, you know? Those speeches, those incredible speeches, was that something that terrified you or were you just eager to get into it? Yeah, I don't get terrified. No, really? Never? No, that's not good for your health. I'm not engaging with this project in ego. Mm-hmm. You get terrified if you think, oh, what about me? What about me? What about Chairman Fred? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He really came out of prison and did the speeches. Like, I didn't have to go to prison. I'm a vessel and I really mean that. Like if I'm here and it's coming through me, it really is coming through me. I don't remember those takes. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I, I so fear didn't creep in because I really studied, I really took in, I really took to understand the perspective, understand the ideology, really come, I came to it. I didn't say, yo, come here. I came to it. When I'm on set, I understand the context. I won't ever remove myself from the reality that these people really l- led this life. You know what I mean? It's like it was really serious for these groups of people, for the Black Panther Party, for Chairman Fred, right. for Mama Akua. These, it was really serious. How could I sit in here and honour this legacy all as a, as a cast and be in my feelings? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's kind of like, it would be a different kind of performance that would come out. He was a guy who, I mean, a philosopher once talked about that. There are, there are people in this world who, who live out loud. You know? And Chairman Fred did that. When he was a public figure, he had to live out loud. He had to communicate. And I heard that you actually vocally had trained with an opera teacher mm-hmm. to get the music of what he was saying. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, the, it was just the way I, when I was watching the footage is how it moved me. I was like, oh, talking can't move me like this. Someone speaking that can't move me like this. So I, I saw it as the talking version of singing as opposed to the singing version of talking. And so I went into that direction and would treat it as a song in terms of how I prepared, you know what I'm saying? And how I wanted to resonate and the kind of notes. Cause when you go, I am, and then I am good. And you go, I am, I'm going up. Yeah. You feel me? It's the, it, it, it's, it has a different effect. It has to go up. You know what I'm saying? It, it, that's just how I felt about it, you know? And then, and yeah, and then also it was conditioning in terms of my diaphragm, uh, engaging my diaphragm and, and conditioning my vocal cords for those days, you know, when it's like I'm doing 12, 15 hours of projecting, you know, it's like the vocal cords is like any muscle in your body. 
you you it's gonna get tired. But also I do realize that I have a tendency when I'm emotionally involved, I get lost. And sometimes I can do damage to my voice. And I knew this is one of the, the demands on this um, job could have the potential to damage my vocal cords forever. I was very aware of that. Yeah, because yeah, this is the way I came into acting. I don't, I didn't come into acting thinking about voice first. I've, I came into acting thinking about emotion. So then whatever would, I would scream in plays and I'd be completely damaging my voice, completely damaging my voice every show. And then they would get someone, they would get a vocal expert to come in to the, in the middle of the show and they would see me, they would watch the show before and they were like, I can't tell you anything because you've made this artistic decision about how to use your voice. And if I told you to support it, it would take away from the emotion that you are communicating, you know? And I knew that like, I was in that play, I was consciously eroding my voice and I just got, all right, cool, let's go. And I didn't want that for this because I needed to show up the next day. I needed to show up in the scene after, you know? So I, I kind of live like that. How are you as a critic of you <laughs> when it's over? Are you tough on yourself? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am tough on myself. Uh, probably got it from a mum who's tough on me. But I kind of, yeah, I, uh, I see it's, it's really one of the scariest things about acting in a sense that you have to kind of do it and then realizing you're learning on a job. You know, I've never played a real life person to any, in before. And so you're looking at a performance a year after and you can go, oh, that's that, that. But that's part of the learning process is to watch yourself. For me, to watch yourself and kind of go, oh, okay, cool. I know why you did that. Oh, okay, cool. No, you did that. And then refine moving forward. You know, it's kind of like I see certain things about get out. I'm like, oh, no, okay. Oh, no. And I refine that moving forward. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. And then I refine that moving forward. It's, it's that kind of... And I, I don't think I'm, and I think why I'm tough because I, I stepped out of the mindset of being good. I'm not here to be good. I'm here to be honest. Um, I'm here to keep it real and true. If I'm honest, if I'm coming from a space and intention of honesty, then everything I do, I give myself the benefit of the doubt. I give myself like, that's how you felt in that moment. That's how you felt. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you actually need to this life experience of a year and you're coming back to it to, to see it in a different way. But in that moment, that's how you felt and you own that. You know what I'm saying? And I own it. Even if it, there's like shortcomings or this, is that, and the other, I own it. And I go, okay, cool. I'll keep growing. Does uh, the kind of award validation that you get, like you did with Get Out and that you're beginning to get now uh, with your performances, Chairman Fred, you're beginning to, people are saying, Wow, he's great. This is terrific. Can can you listen to that? Or is that something that you look at as white noise? It's something that you can't let get into your head. I think I don't sip compliments and I don't sip criticism. That's mm -hmm. how I feel. I don't sip it. So um, about me as a character, do you know what I'm saying? So right. I see it as a great way. <laughs> <laughs> I see awards as a great way to sell sad films. And, 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 and I feel like, so with that in mind, I go, okay, cool. Um, this is an amazing way as a, the recognition organization is an amazing way for people to go, wow. Like they're telling me that this film is worth my time. So I'm going to give it my time. 
So in that sense, I love that because we wanted this film to reach as many people as possible. You know, we really wanted people to reach as many people as possible. So then if you've got this, this organization that is known for championing films that are of a certain quality, that people feel like it's of a certain quality, then, then that's great for, for Judas and the Black Messiah and getting Chairman Fred's message out there and the Black Panther Party. But me personally, I'm just living my life. Do you know what I'm saying? This is like, I, I, I do what I do and I'm honest. And I, when I'm in there, I'm honest, I give everything. And then I think that liberates you. You said something in an interview, it was a phrase, and I, I really uh, wanted to ask you about it because it's, it's a good phrase. You said something about accessible excellence <laughs> and the sense that you could work hard on something and you could give everything to it. But if the audience isn't there to relate to it, at least on some level, you know, has it succeeded in the way you define success? I feel like I what moments that really speak to me is connection. Mm-hmm. You know, when I when I did a play when I was twenty one, Sucker Punch, and the fact that people from my area, people that I grew up with, people that like like because it was about boxer, the boxing community like came to watch it. They wouldn't go to plays, and the fact that they it spoke to them was like, mm-hmm. wow, this makes me happy. You know, what I'm saying it's just because of it was accessible. And it didn't, and it didn't sacrifice craft in order to reach people. And so that's for me is kind of how I see accessible excellence. Is I just think a lot of excellence is inaccessible. Um, and I know if I was just because I've been let in now, <laughs> doesn't mean like I don't know who I am. And I know that like there's certain content that I would be kind of locked out of, or I felt locked out of because I don't understand this cinematographer and that film that it's based on and this is that and the other. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like there's a way of doing that that promotes connection as opposed to um, I'm expressing myself like, because I'm an author. You know, it's like, it's like um, I just, I, and that's valid too. Do you know what I'm saying? I love, I love films like that. I enjoy films like that, but that's because I'm, I'm into film, you know? And I want my friends that I grew up with to, to be able to access it. I watched this film, I'm not going to say the film, but I watched a film in Uganda with my cousins. I was so excited. It was this real like Oscar bait film. And I was like, so excited. And this is like, I was like, wow, wow, wow. I'm gonna, can't wait to watch it, can't wait to watch it. And I watched it with my friends, my cousins. And then my cousin was like, where's the guns? Where's the girls? Where's the explosions? Where's the cars? This is crap. And walked out the room. And I was just like, wow, that's my blood. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What, like, I, I love this film because one of the reasons why I love this film is because I understand the English language. So I understand what they're doing in those moments i understand so that i get a thrill from that but if you are if english is your third language you don't care <laughs> I, it doesn't matter do you know what I'm saying? and like and that's really valid and i want him to watch my stuff and it speak to him is that, is that that's what i'm trying to say i'm just from the real world like I, there's people that i want to speak to that just would never arrive to the industry and you know what I'm saying? and so uh, if I, I feel like if I'm doing something for the industry and not doing something for my cousin, who am I? That I like, like, you know what I mean? So there's a certain energy, there's certain energy that I feel a sense of duty to, to, to inhabit and to present when I'm doing films. And I do have populist taste because I'm from the real world. Like I like fun stuff. Like I like it. So I, I want my stuff just because it's like riddled and tr- troubled. I don't want it to be separate i want people to watch it and i want black people to watch it and i want black people to access it is the reality 
before I say goodbye, though, it's um, are you having fun in your life now? Can you still have it in this pandemic? Can you go out and just enjoy yourself? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I can wear a mask now, so I can really enjoy myself. So <laughs> like, I went I went on a balloon ride a few week, months ago. It was fun. Yeah. That's what. Well, and also, are you still going to do the Barney movie, the Barney and Friends thing? Yeah, we're producing that. We're producing yeah. that, but that's still coming up. And you know how I always ask you to end with some kind of a song? I think that Barney song has a message too, doesn't it? Can yeah, you do, last time you rapped for me, but now I'm going to ask you if you remember any of that song. I love you, you love me. Won't you say you love me too? Right? That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got it. I've that's got the it. message. That is the message. That's the that's everything. You know what I mean? Kind of you love me too. And what happens is they say no. <laughs> <laughs> what happens if they say no? You have yeah. to convince them that it's time to say yes. Daniel, yeah. I thank you so much for doing this and giving your time. It's always great to talk to you. Thank you, Peter, man. Thank you for having me, man. And I hope you have more balloon rides. I will do. I hope <laughs> you do too. <laughs>